love. And this morning, what we're going to be doing is thinking about church. What are we doing here? What is church? And as we begin, there's two sort of contemporary perspectives on it that I want us to think about. And the first, if by my life or death I can protect you, I will. Snapshot one of church. Second snapshot is something that happened uh, this year. Many of you will know this man, Kanye West. Put your hands up if you don't know Kanye West. Can I say, well done, you have managed to escape the global media of arguably one of the best-selling pop stars, hip-hop stars of all time. Uh, And I'm interested in him. He's an interesting character. Uh, Here he is on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine as Jesus. Fascinating. Here he is having released his song, I Am A God, playing between being a celebrity God, being made in God's image, and perhaps thinking too highly of himself as a God. But what's interesting, I don't know if you've heard this, that every Sunday this year, Kanye West has been hosting a Sunday service in which they gather around singing gospel songs and, of course, singing his songs in a really low-key way. And this is uber trendy that all the A-listers want in on these Sunday service gatherings. And recently, a music festival that he hosted, the Coachella Festival in the US, they did a Sunday service over the Easter weekend. And there they are in the middle on the mount on Easter weekend, surrounded by tens of thousands of people viewing this Sunday service. And at the festival, you can buy church clothes. You can get your Holy Spirit sweatshirt, your Sunday service jogging pants, and even your church socks. Who's got church socks on this morning? For a mere $50, you can get your church socks. My own personal favorite is this Holy Spirit fire sweatshirt. What is fascinating to me, though, is that it seems that for some, church, or a version of church, is cool again. Witness this week, if you listen to Radio 1, Radio 1's Song of the Week was by Sam Henshaw called Church with the chorus, wake up, wake up, get yourself to church. It's almost, here we are, well done, you obeyed the song. It's almost as if church has become so uncool for many years that the uber cool hip kids is now cool again. But what's interesting about these Sunday services that Kanye has been hosting is how they're viewed. This is what Kim Kardashian, Kanye's wife, said about them. When people come, they feel free and safe. Everyone that comes understands it's just a really healing experience with an amazing choir and amazing messages about love to start off your week. She goes on. It's just a healing experience. There's no praying, there's no sermon, no word, just music and just a feeling, and it's Christian. Interesting. And I think both of those examples, Lord of the Rings and Kanye's example, raise some fascinating insights about church. And I want to suggest to us that we may love singing, we may love the feeling, the experience that Kanye's gathering is offering, but I want to suggest that we'll only ever get that if we learn from the Lord of the Rings experience. If by my life or death I can protect you, I will. 
summarized by this word that we've been focusing on these few weeks, the word fellowship. It's an old school church word that you know about and of course used for the fellowship of the ring and so on. It simply means this, a community with a shared purpose. It's not a religious word in any sense. It's used in universities for fellowships. People are rewarded fellowships used in business terms. It's a community together with a shared purpose. And in the reading that we read from the Bible, we heard all about it. Listen to these words again that Paul says to a church in Greece. Paul is in prison in Rome, and he writes a letter to this beautiful church in Philippi saying these words. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. That word partnership is the word fellowship. Paul, as someone in one place, is praising God for another group of people in another place for their fellowship, a community gathered with a shared purpose, even though they're in different places. It's more than just singing songs for an experience. There's something active in fellowship. When I was growing up, I used to think of fellowship as being a bit like this, (laughs) gathering around with a cup of tea. And that may be good. It's a good thing. But fellowship is far more active. And church, in the Bible's terms, is less an experience that I get out of something and more a community that I am part of on a mission. And look at that partnership that they share, how he describes it. Do you notice how he began his reading? to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi. This partnership in the gospel, this fellowship that they share, has done something. They are holy people. Now, in case we haven't quite got it, these guys in Philippi weren't like uber special saints. They were like you and us, you and me. God had done something in them to make them holy. And of course, the reality is, for anyone who's a follower of Jesus, you are a saint, you are holy. Will you do something to me, for me? Turn to the person next to you and say to them, you're looking mighty holy today. Go for it. They are united, partners together. They have a fellowship in the gospel, which has made them holy. You are as holy as the greatest saint you can imagine if you're a follower of Jesus. No matter what you've done, no matter how you feel, no matter what's in your head right now, God looks at you and declares you a saint if you're a follower of Jesus. That's good news. And so is the person next to you. Doesn't mean you're better than them. But look also what this gospel has done, this partnership in the gospel. They're holy, but it's as a result of grace and peace to you. This is not because these guys in Philippi are particularly special that they've been working really hard, and so therefore they are holy. No, it is all an act of grace. And Paul knows that when Jesus died on that cross for all our sin and rose up from the dead that we celebrated in Easter a couple of weeks ago, that act of grace is for all, regardless of how good or bad your life has been, regardless of where your journey has taken you so far. It's an act of grace. And so therefore that person next to you who's looking mighty holy today is not because they're better, because they're more got it together, It's all because of grace. That's the gospel that unites them. And also there's something else. 
He who began a good work in you, Paul says, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So it's not just something that has happened, full stop, but actually God is continuing to do this in them. And so that person next to you who you looked at and said, they're mighty holy, all an act of grace and God is continuing to work in them and through them. That's their unity. That's what joins them, not a felt experience on a Sunday morning where they sing songs and it's lovely. They are partners committed together. God is still at work in them. That when the Bible thinks of church, that word fellowship, this is a description of what it looks like. That they are joined together so that they become one and therefore they are united. The bond that has joined them together means that they go together on a journey as one. And that thing that binds them together is not a felt experience, not because they're the same, not because they particularly like each other, although I'm sure they do, (laughs) not because they have nice cups of tea, but because of what Jesus has done. They are brothers and sisters. They are in partnership. So that fellowship is partnership in the gospel, committed together, not for the sake of an experience, but because of something that has happened that therefore means they are joined together. And like a rope that has three cords to it, there are three practical ways this church in Philippi has enacted this fellowship, has demonstrated this commitment they have for each other. And very briefly, I'm going to go through these three ways. Because if we're part of church... These are three practical things that it means to be in fellowship with one another. And it's more than having cups of tea. And it's more than just singing songs, good though that is. It's more than a feeling of emotional healing, great though that may be. There's something active. And the first is this. Prayer. Prayer. Did you notice how Paul began his letter? I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. You can feel the emotion of their prayers. They are not just friends. They're together in prayer. And even though Paul is in prison, he is praying for these guys hundreds of miles away in Philippi. I love this G.K. Chesterton quote. We are taller when we kneel. If we're part of a church, part of a community on a shared mission, There's something about the direction of our prayers that is impacted. And it's not just Paul praying for them, they're praying for him. We read it later further on in chapter one. I'll continue to rejoice for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus, what's happened to me will be for deliverance. He's praying for them, they're praying for him. Mutual together prayers. And I don't know about you, that's a big challenge for me about the way I pray. I wonder if for those of us who are followers of Jesus, if we looked at what we pray for, how many of them would be about me? I don't mean you praying about me, I mean as in (laughs) us praying about ourselves. So often we want God to do things for us the way we want things to work out. And it's only when people come to us with their needs that we might then say, oh, let me pray for you. There's something about being in fellowship together that means we pray for each other. We're taller on our knees. And so therefore, 
Can I, on behalf of all of us in this room, say a huge thank you for all of those prayers that God hears that no one else knows about? You have been prayed for by people in this room and you may not know about it. That's fellowship, that's community. That's why when we gather in our groups, it's not just an opportunity midweek to do stuff together. It's an opportunity to pray together. That's why we have our prayer gatherings that Nathaniel's mentioned about. So that as church, we can gather together and kind of enact this together to visibly say, yeah, I do pray in other times, but actually in one moment, we're praying with each other, for each other, and for God to work in his world. But that's also why on Sundays we have prayer ministry. At the end of this gathering this morning, there's an opportunity for prayer. And I think we tend to, tend to think that I need to go for prayer ministry if I've got something big that I can ask God to pray for, that somebody to pray for me. Rather than actually, this is something we all need prayer all the time. All of our lives are a bit messed up. Let's own that. And therefore, going forwards for prayer, or backwards as it might be, is an opportunity for somebody else to pray for us to help them in their walk with Christ. That's great. We're blessing others by going forwards for prayer. So as we respond later on, bear that in mind. This week, uh, I was walking. uh, Actually, last weekend, I was walking and came across somebody in Riverside, uh, bumped into them in a park, and they were saying how they've, at their workplace, have set up what they call Mini Riverside, where there's a, a number of them gathered together on a lunchtime to go through this booklet, to pray together, to look at the Bible a little bit together. And this person was sharing that to Son and say, But I need your help, I need your prayer, because some people have started coming along who don't know Jesus and we don't know what to do. There's some Buddhists and some people who don't believe in any God or anything. And they don't know how to do it. So please, would you pray for us? And the reality of being a church that is on a mission to transform our city, it means prayer is something we can do for each other as we go into our workplaces. So when we're in a group, we might live, we've got a big interview this week. Please, would you pray for me? So on Thursday morning, you know you've got that army behind you as you pray. That is fellowship. I love this quote. We make a mistake when we think of praying for God's work to be done. We don't pray for the work. Prayer is the work. Being part of church, being part of fellowship is prayer. That's the first aspect. The second aspect is this. Prayer is partly their outworking that unites them. But the second is this, presence. They simply showed up. Listen again to some words from Philippians chapter 2. I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who's also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs. What's clear that happened is Paul's in prison in Rome. The church here in Philippi want to help them, want to help Paul. And in those days, it wasn't like our prison system where you go into prison, you get nice meals and, you know, well looked after. Actually, you needed to get help from outside. And so this church in Philippi sent Epaphroditus to Paul. Their presence went to him. There's something about togetherness, actually being together, that is key for fellowship, this partnership in the gospel. And so Paul is doing something for them. Not only is Epaphroditus going back, but now Paul is sending Timothy, his beloved Timothy, back to the church in Philippi so that he might be cheered when he gets news back from them. And can I simply say something obvious? There's something about showing up that is really important in what it means to be part of a community. 
groups and gatherings, it can be so easy to forget and to presume that I'm not necessary there. Whereas actually you are important. You are. If you're not at something, somebody misses out. Now, of course, life takes over. We've got loads of stuff going on, of course. It's not a kind of stick to beat us with. But actually, don't ever think that your presence is not important. There's something about simply showing up. As a church, we want to reflect and transform Birmingham. Because people belong to thriving communities in which they get to know Jesus. And part of being a community is showing up and just joining together, doing life together. It's a place where people look in from the outside and say, wow, what the, that kind of community, I went in on that. Time and time again, we hear stories of people step foot into the walls of Riverside in some experience and say, wow, there's something in this community because people showed up. But can I say on this, there's another aspect of showing up that I think is just worth remembering. One of the most stimulating books I've read recently is this book. It's called Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies That I've Loved. Provocative title, if ever there was one. It's simply a story of a woman called Kate who had grown up in a church context where she'd believed and had begun to explore that if I do right with God, all will be sweet in my life. If I pray enough, I read my Bible enough, if I have enough faith, God will do, everything will be as I want it to be. And this is her memoir, this is her story as somebody who now has cancer that is terminal. And at the end of the book, she gives these two sections. One is things that you shouldn't say to somebody who's navigating deep trauma. And then there's also a section which is suggestions of things you can do with somebody who is in the midst of real suffering and pain. And one of the things she says is stunning. This is what she says. The truth is that no one knows what to say. It's awkward. Pain is awkward. Tragedy is awkward. People's weird suffering bodies are awkward. But take the advice of one man who wrote to me with his policy. Shut up. Show up and shut up. In other words, there's something about being in each other's presence in the midst of deep suffering when we haven't got the faintest idea what to say, but the mere presence alone is a beautiful gift. Friends, do not underestimate the importance of you showing up. Yes, at gatherings, yes, in various different events, but also with those who are walking the most unimaginable pain. There are people in our church right now who are walking through horrors. And most, we have no idea what to say. We have questions about it. Why, God? What we can do is simply be. Be. Presence. Prayer. Presence. That's fellowship. But then the third practical thing is very specific their practical support for Paul. Look again. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. What did that look like? Verse 27, he makes it clear. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or already hear about your absence, I know that you stand firm in the Spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. They're doing something for the gospel. But what practically was it they were doing? Well, it's quite obvious as you get to the end of the book of Philippians. Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. 
For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. It seems that they had sent Epaphroditus to Paul with a financial gift of some sort for his help. So yes, they were praying for them. Yes, Epaphroditus showed up and was with him. But also they backed it up with practical support, actual giving. There was a need that they met. Paul's sharing the gospel and their partners in it by their giving. And so therefore, friends, we want to transform this city. But I don't know about you. When you're at work on Monday morning and you think about your workplace, the changes that you want to bring, it's almost too big, isn't it? When you think about your street and what you'd love to see happen in your street, it's too massive, isn't it? That's not changing a city. It might be changing one person's life just with a little kind word or a little prayer. But together as an army, all those little one words, those little prayers are beginning to transform things. And therefore, through our giving and practical support, we are joining together as an army in transforming our city. That's partnership in the gospel. So you may think, I can't do very much. But your generous giving to the life of what goes on here is doing much. That is so freeing, isn't it? And we simply want to say thank you to all in this room who so faithfully, so generously give for all the things that happen through the life of Riverside and beyond. God knows that. And that is not just kind of giving. That is partnership on a mission. You're joining together. That's good news. But can I also say, therefore, an outworking, of course, is this, is that if you consider yourself to be part of Riverside, and Riverside is your church, you know what I mean, but you're not yet giving in any sort of kind of regular way, and you know that you can, but you just kind of never got around to it or you're not sure, can I urge you to think about it? It's a key part of what it means to be part of a community. The reality is, Back in September, when we began to share where we sense this new chapter for Riverside is going, that God did something extraordinary in that a gift was given for the vision that took our breath away. God meets the needs of his people, but often God meets the needs of his people through his people. And the reality is we as leaders have sent that gift is reserved for what we sense God is calling us to as we go forwards. So we've got this moment where we've got this that's leading us forwards, whilst like so many of us, our regular costs are going up and our regular giving isn't necessarily isn't meeting those regular costs. And so therefore we need to increase our regular giving, if at all possible, as we step forward into what God's calling us for with the future. You'll hear more about that over the coming weeks. All of this to say, fellowship is not a felt experience. It's something active. A community of people who are willing to say, if by my life or death I can protect you, I will. Partnership in the gospel through prayer, through presence, through practical support.